and uh, so that's what we're doing. We're just basically organizing according to our actual history and our actual government the way it's supposed to be versus how it got resorted after the Civil War, okay? Because there hasn't been an identification system for real Americans until now. And so now we have launched our state credential system and that then issues an ID that identifies Americans as Americans. You see, they've had us in this weird status as an occupied country being occupied by our own military. And so you have to think of yourself as being in a war zone and needing to identify yourself every time you turn around. And so it's imperative that we have uh, reliable identification systems in place as long as that is true. I am really excited to share with you my new association with Control your health.care. I have been literally searching for a solution like this for at least two decades. Did you know that over 900 plus diseases are simply due to nutrition? That problems such as heartburn, insomnia, asthma, infertility, dementia, Alzheimer's, thyroid disease, and so many more can be solved if you just correct your mineral or vitamin deficiencies? Controlyourhealth.care has answers for you for these ailments and so many more that is based on decades of research, including over 26,000 autopsies, 10 million blood chemistries by over 15,000 holistic doctors and scientists. You will see how the right, highly absorbable nutrients that your body is craving will make a huge difference in how you feel. Go to controlyourhealth.care and enjoy 10% off through the end of November. Start now on a journey towards superior health that will literally change your life. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Anna Von Reitz coming back and we are going to talk about self-determination and how we can fix our status. I tell you, I'm still a student of this, but for those of you who've been paying attention lately, there is something really strange going on, not only in our country, but around the world and it, things are just not right, right? We all can can see that. We know that and it's just not right from the standpoint of we're told that we have these rights and obviously we don't. 80% of the laws that are passed in Congress do not represent what the people want. And that's according to two universities, Northwestern and Stanford, did this study looking at that and figured that out. Things just aren't right. And it hasn't been right for a long time. And so I'm talking to Anna Von Reitz about how we can fix our status and what that means. One of the things that I find that shows that what she's saying is true is there was legislation after the Civil War that Abraham Lincoln put together to hire an external company to run the United States government. That legislation is accessible and you can see it. We know that the Federal Reserve was set up and it's an external to our government. There's all these facts that have been put in place. One thing I would really like to see is the flow of money. Anna Von writes here in this interview and others have told me that our taxes do not go to us. It doesn't fund us. It goes to the Vatican and to other groups and we get zero of it. I've been told that by many, many people. I would like to see proof of that because that is so absurd that 
just knowing that is enough to say, okay, wait a minute, this whole thing needs to come down because it's fraud and they're stealing from us. So I want to see the facts of that. Just knowing that what they're doing right now with vaccine mandates, you know, how they abandon the people in Afghanistan, the border, I mean, just Anna stealing the election, uh, just incredibly horrible things that they're doing. It's hard to swallow paying an enormous amount of taxes to help them do what they're doing. I feel like I'm funding human trafficking by giving them money. And we probably are. But what makes it worse, and this is why I want to see the proof of this, are we directly giving it to the criminals? Are we directly giving it to enslave ourselves? The money doesn't go to us. The only money that goes to us is tariffs. That's what I've been told by multiple people. So I want to learn that if anybody in the audience has proof where they've actually followed the money trail and figured out where the money's actually going, I want to see that proof because I want to share that with my audience because I think those of you in the audience that learn about that will be just like me. That will be enough to say, okay, this is enough is enough, right? I mean, when is enough enough? And what right of self-determination do we have? I, nobody owns me and I, I don't, I, I want to exert my authority of being self-determined. I'm tired of this government hurting people in mass and then not having anything that we can do about it. So that's why I'm talking to Anna Von Wrights. There are many of you out there who are also trying to figure out how, what is the deal with this? And she's going to try to educate us. I'm obviously a student. I've asked many questions. I still have many to go. Again, I want to see the money trail. If anybody can give me that, I'd really appreciate it. Okay, so this is a super long interview. And so you're going to have two pretty long parts. And then the third part, I'm going to put up on sarahwestall.tv and Ebonier for my members. But you're going to get a lot of this uh, for free. But if you want to hear the whole thing, then go and sign up for my membership. And I also have her website there. You can go and learn a lot more directly from her. And I will continue to have this here so that we can learn what this is about. I want to just get to the bottom of it. I want to understand there's multiple groups. They all fight with each other. I have no idea why they can't get along, but there's, I, I think there's uh, people that are planted to try to create issues because this is too powerful and they don't want people to know really what's going on. So, well, we're going to learn. It's our right to learn. They don't have control of our minds and uh, well, they're trying to get control of our minds, but I'm not going <laughs> to give my mind up very easily. So anyways, before we get into this conversation and interview, I want to remind you to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. I was taken down off of Apple Podcasts just recently. I'm put back up, but I lost all my subscribers. That's one of the main reasons why you got to sign up for my newsletter. I never know when I'm going to just be taken off a platform. And sometimes the only way you can reach me is through my newsletter or go directly to my website. You can now sign back up again for Apple Podcasts. I'm on a different channel but hopefully they won't take me down again. It was really a bummer. I'm noticing that my audio podcast is down by about a third right now. So hopefully we can, we can build that up pretty quickly. 
and some of you can hear in my voice that I have a cold. I just feel like it's a cold. Supposedly it's COVID. I don't know. It feels like a cold. Interesting enough, the last time I got sick is when I aired Scott the Survivor, and I got sick like a week after I did that, and that was just because it was so traumatic. And then I aired it again, and then I get sick again, which is weird because I don't get sick very often. I think that's just coincidence, but I, I think it's an interesting coincidence. I'm just pumping myself with Z-Stack and C60 and going from there. If it gets bad, then I'm going to use Sherry Edwards and some of this frequency stuff. But I think I'm okay. It's just a cold. Anyway, so go to my website, sign up for my newsletter, and support my affiliates when you're there. And look for part two of this, and part three will be out for my members. So let's get into it now with Anna Von Reitz. Hi, Anna. Welcome back to the program. Hello, hello. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I have so many questions for you. First of all, your America project um, is flourishing. Can you explain how much you're growing and what's going on? Well, basically, we're becoming aware of our own history. And as we become aware of our own history, it becomes apparent that there are certain things that we need to do and get organized to do. And uh, so that's what we're doing. We're just basically organizing according to our actual history and our actual government the way it's supposed to be versus how it got resorted after the Civil War. Yeah. And we're going back to what it should be. Now, I want to ask you, as you're doing that, do you, as you change your status and you, you get yourself recorded like you should, like a, uh, an American should be, what are you officially called? Well, it, every one of us takes our nationality from our state. And that's something that we are never taught in school. And as far as I know, there are no organizations that teach that per se. But when you're born in a state, you become, in my case, a Wisconsinite or a Californian or a Texan or a Vermonter or a New Yorker, okay? And so we actually take our nationality from our state as if our state were a separate country. And uh, all of our states did start out in the status of a separate country as if they were 50 little countries, as if this were Europe, right? Yeah. And what we did that was so brilliant and so different is that within about three months of the Declaration of Independence in July of 1776, we formed a federation of states at the international level. And so the member states put all of their international powers that they defined in the Federation, which was a holding company and is a holding company. Uh, and so it holds the international powers of the several states. And the states retained their national powers, which basically means that they retained the soil jurisdiction and the right to conduct their own business within their state borders. And, um, and so they operate like independent countries within their own borders at that level as a nation, right? Yep. But then in international affairs, they operate as one country. Ah, interesting. Okay, and so that, it's important that we have both 
of that figured out and straightened out. So I would be called a Minnesotan because I'm from Minnesota. Yes. But am I yes. also an American or am I just, you know, because there's both there? Well, technically you'd be a North American because we have to remember that there's yep. America and South America, but yes, you would be a North American. And uh, that's, that, you know, your country is called the United States of America in international jurisdiction. So you would be a, uh, a North American and a Minnesotan by birth. And um, you would have the, both of those statuses. But when you travel to another country, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, oh, you're an American. They're not going to say you're a Minnesotan. Okay. Because I don't understand. Because internationally, that's what we are. Because we've now, when when you change your status to a Minnesotan or you being a Wisconsinite or whatever it is that you change yourself to, now do you get a passport automatically, or do you have to sign up for one? Well, look at it this way: you start out your life as a Minnesotan, and then they change your status for you because you haven't declared, you know, one way or another, or, you know, that you haven't declared a political status. So you start out as a Minnesotan, and then they progressively change your political status without your knowledge or consent to that of a British territorial citizen. And then they change it again to being a municipal citizen of the United States in a dual citizenship. Oh, okay. so we're a dual citizen of both. It, until you get your status fixed, you are a dual citizen of both the Britain and of the corporation of the United States or whatever that is. The municipal government. The municipal the government. Municipal. Okay. Okay. Right. So um, until you go back and realize that, oh, you know. I'm, I'm really an American and a Minnesotan and I'm not a British subject and I'm not a, a subject of the Pope uh, until, until you wake up and realize that and go back and say, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm an American, then nobody knows, you know, and I, I give the example, if you were just looking at me sitting here today and I wasn't speaking, you would have no idea if I were an American or an Austrian, or, or somebody from Germany, or, or Russia, or Poland, or, you know, you'd have no idea who I was in terms of my nationality or my political status. Well, okay, so now, but let's say I do get it changed, and I'm, I go through the effort of doing everything I need to do to change my status. I declare myself an American, a Minnesotan. Mm -hmm. Now, how do I get a passport? Well, you apply for a passport just like you would anyway, um, and you use it as a pass-through service of, of your employees, okay? And if you'll notice, there are two different kinds of passports that are issued. There's a U.S. passport and there's a U.S.A. passport. And what they would do is they would look at it as a U.S.A. passport um, and they would claim that you were a dual citizen for international purposes, with one being an American under the United States of America, and one being a British territorial citizen on the high seas and navigable inland waterways. 
Um, so they would give you a USA passport. And then it would be up to you how you signed that passport. And this is something that, you know, it's something that we're never taught again, just like you're never taught that you're a, a Minnesotan by na your nationality. Um, we're never taught how to sign things properly. No. But when you, when you sign your passport properly, it identifies you again as an American and as someone who is a American on the land and soil of this country, as opposed to a British territorial citizen, like someone born in Puerto Rico in one of the US possessions. And I was told that your passport gives you actually more power almost. It's like you almost have a diplomatic passport at well, that point. Yeah, your passport is recognized far beyond your borders. And so um, it, it is a, a better ID than any kind of driver license or anything like that. Um, and it does tie you into a global system of identification that um, you can depend upon to a far greater extent than the driver licenses that people use as ID. Uh, driver licenses are never supposed to be used as ID. Social security cards are never supposed to be used as ID. None of that stuff was ever intended or meant to be a valid ID for anything. It's just something that the corporations cobbled together and decided would be uh, used as an identification of their citizenry. Okay, because there hasn't been an identification system for real Americans until now. And so now we have launched our state credential system and that then issues an ID that identifies Americans as Americans. And this is, you know, we never had that back in the 1860s. And so now we have brought it forward and we're issuing our state credential cards, which are computer literate that do connect to a system where you can check and make sure that we're who we say we are. And um, we're just now in the infancy, uh, the past year, year and a half of having our state credential cards available and using those as our identification instead of using driver licenses and, and other things of that nature. Now, do they look like the passport that a municipal citizen would have? Um, no, they look like a, a driver's license. They're just little cards and they have a magnetic strip that ties back to an official record and that shows who you are, it shows where you come from, your name and address. Um, it has a picture of you. It has your thumbprint so that you can be positively identified. Um, it uh, tells the state where you were born, when you were born, your birthday, um, and, and just real basic information about you, sufficient to identify you to any law enforcement or peacekeeping official. And, but my, my, uh, go ahead, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, well, no, that, that's the idea. You see, they've had us in this weird status as an occupied country being occupied by our own military. And so you have to think of yourself as being in a war zone 
and needing to identify yourself every time you turn around. And so it's imperative that we have uh, reliable identification systems in place as long as that is true. And uh, that's part of the reason that we developed the state credential is so that Americans would have their own separate credential system without having to rely upon our employees. That makes sense. The people that we employ, which is the government, the municipal government. Now, but I was told that these passports, when you have your American passport, the true, you know, identification, you, you have more rights because you, so much of many of your rights have been taken away as you being part of the municipal government. Well, okay. Let, let's think about it this way. There are three populations in this country. You've got Americans from 50 different states representing 50 different nations, right? You've got British territorial citizens, and that's people who, uh, for whatever reason, um, retained their relationship with Britain after the revolution, people who um, live in British uh, possessions like um, Puerto Rico, okay? they have a different status than the rest of us. Um, then, then you have people that are attached to the municipal government. And that's and the that's majority, the right? That's the majority of people and what most people mm -hmm. think of. Well, actually, Sarah, uh, we haven't known who we were. And so we, we assume that, that there are more of them than there are of us. But in fact, uh, when you're looking at these three populations, you've got the federal civil service employees, all the agency employees, all the department employees, and their dependents, and that's one group. And then you have the military and their dependents, and all of the people who live in the possessions of the US, which is, you know, Guam, Puerto Rico, uh, the Northern Mariana Islands, uh, American Virgin Islands, you know, the, the insular possessions. And that's the second group. They're the British citizens, the British subjects. I should say they're not citizens of Britain, but they are British territorial uh, citizenry. And then you have us, the Americans. So you got these three different populations and you can think of them as the civilian population, the military population, and the federal civil service. And um, if you think of it that way, it's actually pretty easy to identify who's who and what's what. You just have to be aware that in your absence or lack of declaration, you've been misidentified by your employees as the citizenry of both other camps. You've been turned into a dual citizen of the British territorial uh, employees and a citizen of the municipal group too they both claimed you right yep but in fact you don't belong to either one well and the people who join the military they change their status upon joining they are yeah well they they officially join as british territorial citizenry um when they take up a tour of duty with that corporation. Okay, so the other thing is that those other populations are here 
to provide essential government services. And if you look at Article 4 of the Constitution, you'll see exactly where that's spelled out. Mm -hmm. um, the Brits were left here after the War of Independence to provide specific services. Uh, and they never left. Uh, the Pope's men uh, were here to provide postal service. And over the years, they just gradually expanded the range of services that were being offered and accepted uh, until we have this gigantic federal civil service and agency polyglot. Well, how does it change, you know, when it comes to like mandates and it comes to the rules that Biden wants to put in place and all these other things, by fixing our status, we don't have, I mean, a lot of these rules don't apply to us. Is that true? Yes, that's exactly it. Um, think about it. When you're, when you're an employee or you have a trust relationship uh, with a um, benefactor, you're in a different status than if you're just a free man walking around on the street. Um, when I work for IBM, IBM can tell me to wear a little blue shirt that has a tag on it that says IBM and has my name on it, right? Yep. But otherwise, I, I'm not obligated to wear an IBM shirt. It, isn't it and, true that there's there's few laws that, that have actually been created? Like the, I'm, I'm expected to follow the Minnesota laws that were created by the assembly right but the real government and i'm am i also supposed to follow the national government but not but those are the only laws that i'm subject to right well look our government is very simple uh the actual american government is very simple uh, our law is founded on the ten commandments basically don't lie don't cheat don't steal don't fornicate don't you know and other than that, if you're not injuring somebody, you're free. If you're not injuring someone or their property, you're free, period. Nobody gets to tell you what to do with your body. Nobody gets to tell you what to do with your mind. Nobody gets to mess with you. You're living under God's law, the Ten Commandments, that everybody at that time agreed to. Because they chose the Ten Commandments because the Jews would accept the Ten Commandments, the Muslims would accept the Ten Commandments, and the Christians would accept the Ten Commandments. So our American law is based on the Ten Commandments. And if you know the Ten Commandments and, and you, know, you have a sense of, of justice, then you're qualified as a juror to decide cases and to decide what punishments and to decide whether a law is uh, just or not, you can decide the facts and the law. And that's the difference between our system of justice and what we've got pretending to be the system of justice. Because all of the courts that you now see are actually corporate tribunals of one sort or another. They're supposed to be addressing their own employees right, as corporations, like if you work for IBM and you, you in, do something that's against their personnel rules or you do something against their regulatory practices, okay, those are the courts that we've got in operation commonly now, um, but our actual Supreme Court is a jury of our peers. 
and the Supreme Court that's up there now are not, they're, 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 yeah, they're just a, a tribunal that was created in, within this corporation that was hired by the actual United States to run it for us. So that's where we're sitting at. Now, are they starting to recognize this? I mean, are they realizing that things are all messed up and that they should be looking at this differently? Anybody with authority? All sorts of people are understanding it now. Um, keep your eye on South Africa. Uh, it's not the, any kind of Omicron variant that is <laughs> causing them to uh, shut down travel between uh, South Africa and America and various other African nations. Um, we need to be aware of more recent history also. So what is going on? Why are they shutting it down? Other than a big PSYOP, which is what we all think it is, but there's more to this you're saying. Well, you have to know that before his death, Muammar Gaddafi had succeeded in Libya in creating a very pleasant society. He had uh, completely reformed everything and had set up a government that was actually sharing wealth with the people and providing all sorts of benefits to the people. He had also set up a gold-based uh, uh, money system for Libya. And he was working hard to create what was called the African Union, which would have seen all of Africa trading in gold and using gold for money. And it would have, you know, instituted these same kinds of social reforms and um, wealth sharing as he instituted in Libya uh, throughout the continent. And he was close to succeeding in this. He'd been working at it for years. Yep. And uh, then we had Obama come in, uh, the great black hypocrite, and destroy that for Africa and also destroyed it for the rest of the world. Uh, and so when they invaded Libya, they were smashing Gaddafi's African Union and smashing uh, the gold standard that he had established and destroying the uh, civil liberties and the, um, the freedoms and the uh, financial benefits that he had established for his own people. And it was a very ugly, illegal, nasty thing that a Black president did to all of his, um, his brethren in Africa. And they, I know the first thing they did, well, of course, was reestablish the money supply. They bombed out all their water uh, resources and they just decimated their place. They acted like they were trying to free the place, but the first thing they did is restructure it, you know, do the, get the world bank back in there and then bomb out all their waterways and all their infrastructure for their people. And then they never allowed that to rebuild. Uh, they might have recently, but they did all that under the guise of freedom, which is bullshit. But that, you know, if anybody with a brain knows that that makes no sense. The people were happy under Gaddafi and they had life, uh, a far better life than they had ever had. And um, 
we went in there for our own selfish reasons uh, and our soldiers were used as mercenaries to go in there and do this heinous act against the people of Libya and against the people of the African Union. So it was a dirty, dirty, ugly, stupid, greedy, senseless act of, uh, you know, it was, it was criminal what happened in Libya. And we don't understand that. It's our sheer ignorance, just in complete ignorance that well, causes ignorant. us to, that causes us to do these things, right? I mean, because an average person wouldn't hurt people to this degree if they knew how they were actually hurting people. And so it's the sheer ignorance of the populace that's enabling them to use these soldiers in this way. Right, and the soldiers themselves don't know. The soldiers sign up, they think they're doing it for God, mom and apple pie and that they're actually soldiers. If these men knew that they were being used as cheap mercenaries, don't you think they would walk down the street to the mercenaries and actually sign up as a mercenary and get paid 10 times as much with 10 times the benefits? Exactly. <laughs> they would get paid more. They would do oh it differently. Gosh. If you're just going to make yes, me a mercenary, well, they, well, half of them wouldn't sign up. Right. Most of them wouldn't sign up, number one. Number two, if they were going to be a mercenary, they'd be paid for it, you know? And instead, exactly right. they've been using us as cheap mercenaries and sending our sons and daughters off to do these terrible things. And, and then the rest of the world looks at us and we become the ugly Americans, right? We're the, we're the, um, we're the, the beasts, we're the, the bad guys because our, our soldiery is being reduced to being mercenaries and they're being trained to be very vicious mercenaries. And they're being taught to fear all these other people who are just other people trying to live their lives. And, you know, we've, we've been taught bull about our own history. We don't even know how many times the Russians have saved our bacon. And that is a travesty because more than half a dozen times the Russians have stood toe to toe behind us and saved us from being overtaken by Britain We've been taught to hate our friends and love our enemies. We're that stupid. And we still think that Britain is our friend, even though Britain has been one of the prime movers to make use of us and to abuse us more than we were in the days of the colonies. That's right. We're more abused now than we were then. And, but we're ignorant to that fact. And it's a mind construct making people think that they're, they're acting in a way that's better for them and it's actually hurting them. Well, all you have to do is think about the feelings that people have about IRS. How can you feel that way about something that's supposedly part of your own government when you're supposed to be a free man? Are you a free man when most of the value of your labor is being taxed? No. No, you're not. It's bull. It's just complete and utter hokum that we've been sold like a bill of goods, like a con artist sells you a, a, a bad story, okay? And most of that money doesn't stay here for services for us. And that's the important part because if it stayed here for services for us, we'd see a whole different thing going on, correct? 
what happens is the money goes to the Vatican and the Pope takes his cut. And then it gets cycled back to the Bank of Canada and the queen takes her cut as a commonwealth entity, right? And then it finally gets cycled back to the Bank of New York Mellon. And that's where the American conspirators take their cut. That's where the Pilgrim Society and all these other ugly organizations that have been in place since the Civil War take their cut out of everything. And they just, they've been rampaging around. These are our employees. They've been taking their paychecks out of our pockets and telling us what services they're going to provide and not provide and how much they're going to charge us for it. They've been running the whole show, quote unquote, for us in our absence. Okay, so here we are, we're back. Uh, the Americans are back in their own hen house, taking care of their own store, and they don't like it. No. Well, I'm sure they don't like it. Well, now I have a couple questions to that. How much at the end of the day do we get back after everybody, those three entities take their cut? What's left for us? No, we're still just workers. We're still working for them. We're working for our employees and subcontractors. That's the status of, of America and Americans. We've been enslaved by our own employees and by our subcontractors. No, but how much of that, that tax money after it goes to the Pope, it goes to the Queen, it goes to the Pilgrim Society and all those people in New York, how much is left to then fund the infrastructure of the United States and other services? Zero. You mean nothing comes back. So what is used to actually fund the infrastructure of the country? I mean, how are we? A, a tiny percentage of the, of the money that is made off the slush funds they establish. Mm. And that's why we're impoverished, because if we had that, we would have so much wealth, we wouldn't even, it would be a totally different situation. Yes. And you can blame the Roman Catholic Church and the doctrine of scarcity. Mm. And that's, they try to teach you that it's good to be scarce when there is because, to be yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so now how are they could we be in a situation as it get more more powerful that they'll want to go they want to take us out like they did to Qaddafi well they might want to but you see their their lines of of um, credit and everything else have already been cut they they are on shoestrings and trying to figure out how they're going to pay their workers and what they're going to do who cut their lines of credit you did. Well, not just me, not just me by any ch chance, but you know, once people around the world realized what was going on and that the Americans, it wasn't the Americans doing these terrible things, that it was the Pope and the Queen and the Lord Mayor of London that were, yep. you know, doing yep. these terrible things, then, you know, they could see, oh, well, you know, it's the US, it's not America. All right. So when do you think this kind of information is going to penetrate into the, the reality of the average person? Is it going to take a takedown of the media? 
um, before that'll happen? Or what are we going to have to do? Because there's people like me trying to get this information out. But how do we get this penetrated out to the average person in a meaningful way? Well, I think that we do need to make better use of media that is available to us. And I think that we are now in the position of being able to fund our own media. Um, we have been successful. We are being successful in um, getting out to the rest of the world and, and uh, making this information available. Um, we have to realize that the media in this country has been taken over by the military since the um, First World War. And we also have to realize that the military has mistaken the civil government of the municipal government as the civilian government that they're supposed to be taking orders from. Yep. So, you know, they, they've been very confused uh, and the municipal government has done nothing to disabuse them. And so you wind up with a situation where they're taking orders from the Pope and depending on whether the Pope is a nice man or not, you wind up with this situation because you, you've basically got a dictator uh, who is manipulating everything. Well, the current Pope that we have is a really bad guy. I'm sorry, but maybe you see him differently, but my understanding is he's a bad guy. Has he been working with you or... Do you see him as a bad guy or is that just, it depends on your perspective? Okay, well, the, the way that that works is that the Pope was wearing two hats. He was wearing his, his little skull cap as a servant of Christ, right? Yep. And, and as a, uh, a religious leader. And then he was wearing the palpal theera, this huge, incredibly ornate um, thing. It was this ancient headdress. Um, and that was his office as the Roman pontiff, which was a completely different religion, different secular pagan um, religion, if you want to call it a secular religion, which is an oxymoron, but it's, it's basically worship of money and mammon and, you know, and it, that's what people call the Luciferian. Yes. <laughs> well, it's actually the ancient religion of Babylon. But anyway, that's mystery Babylon that has been using the Roman Catholic Church as a storefront and mixing it up with them since the Council of Nicaea back in, what was it, 343 A.D.? At that point, it was their way to get people to follow because too many people were turning into Christians at that time. So they came up with this so that they could rule everybody, control everybody, right? Yeah. The power behind the throne, the, the evil using the church as a storefront, yep. the, the Roman pagan uh, government continuing its influence. And they've been brought forward into modern times. And that's what we're just now realizing, that, that that mystery Babylon religion that came from Babylon, complete with child sacrifice and drug use and, and pedophilia and all of that, it was brought forward and it was always present in the Roman Catholic Church. 
and you had the Pope wearing these two hats, basically being the high priest of both the Christian uh, church and the Roman pagan church that was actually you know, the mystery of Babylon religion. I find it interesting that they know how much they're despised by the average person, not because of religion per se, but because we've evolved to the point where we find their practices as wrong in every kind of way, morally. I mean, Christianity finds it wrong, but even beyond that, everybody finds it despicable as an evolved humanity. And even though we have come to that conclusion, they know that and they find it necessary to hide who they are to the most part, although they're becoming more brazen lately, but they've had to hide it because, in a, and they're ashamed of it. I mean, because if you have to hide who you are from the majority of the populace, because everybody thinks you're the lower than rats. I mean, I, I compared them to rats and somebody got mad and said that rats are actually nice creatures. You know, I mean, <laughs> people do not like these guys and, and they still follow it is find it very odd but keep going all right well basically this all goes back to one woman named semiramis who reportedly uh splashed down in the middle of the euphrates river in a silver egg now what does that sound like to us uh, in, in this day and age, it sounds like an escape pod from a spaceship splashing down in the middle of the Euphrates River. Sounds like an alien. An alien came to Earth, right? Yep. Okay, so this very beautiful woman, Semiramis, came to Earth and um, married the king and became the queen. All right, so... And she instituted a lot of different things, including the use of money. She invented the, uh, the symbolic value that uh, is, is used as money. Uh, she instituted temple prostitution, by which uh, if you had sex with a temple prostitute, then your sins were forgiven so long as you paid well. <laughs> okay. Um, oh yeah, she she had all sorts of ideas that uh, transformed the ancient world, and that's why it's called the Great Abomination. She's called the Great Abomination, and Semiramis um, had this like rays of light coming from her head. I mean, this was part of her alien nature, right? And so you see uh, carvings of her all over the Middle East uh, and Turkey and, and, and North Africa, uh, where, you know, here's this beautiful woman with big bosoms and, and rays of light coming out of her head and um, little owls uh, perched around her. Uh, her. Her, I guess you would call it her animal totem or whatever, was the owl. And so her pet owl, Moloch, was, um, was her constant companion in all of these carvings and statues and things. And ironically, we have a giant statue of Semiramis standing in New York Harbor 
that we've been conned into thinking is the Statue of Liberty. But that's not the Statue of Liberty. That's the ancient Babylonian goddess Semiramis, also known as Sybil, also known as Isis, also known as um, uh, Columbia, as in District of Columbia. I mean, once you realize that there's an ancient, suppressed, pagan religion that has been operating in tandem within the Roman Catholic Church for 1700 years, then you begin to realize that, oh, okay, your eyes are opened and you can see, oh, District of Columbia, well, that's the name of their goddess, Columbia. All right. Well, let me ask you, but if, is, is she still, or is there still contact with this, this uh, source? Because after a while, wouldn't they, if she's no, not, no longer alive, wouldn't they slowly start to evolve? I mean, why do they still have all these pagan, these devolved, uh, why didn't they advance with the rest of humanity? Why did they is there other aspects of it that cause them to stick with it? Well, number one, uh, once people get initiated into this religion, they can't back out because if they, if they do, then the, the other people know. So they're blackmailed into staying with it, okay? It's, it's like a honeypot, you know? They, they've got you on tape showing you making, doing horrible things. Okay, so they use that as uh, blackmail to keep their members true to their uh, cult. And they make sure that money is no object. They have all the money in the world because guess what? They create the money. They control it. They're the ones, they're the ones with the printing presses. They're, they're the ones sitting there and saying, well, this is valuable and that's not. Is this why they have female the mothers of darkness have been female because the original head of the church was female yes and and the you know the the head of their church was female yes uh, and it was a matriarchal back then all of the religions and everything was was matriarchal there were no patriarchies until relatively recently in history well and but that's been a negative too right i mean it's almost like one extreme or the other so there was benefits of having a yin and a yang kind of uh balanced environment there are there are benefits uh to both systems but now look at at the dark side of both systems i mean on on one hand you have the the mother who is protective and nurturing right yep but on the other hand, you have Lilith, the, you know, the, the goddess of evil and darkness and, and uh, destruction. Um, so, you know, you've got all these different things that people struggle with in terms of making choices and expression of, of their own lives and their own life force. And, you know, until we face the darkness until we see the darkness in our midst in our presence we we are not making the choice 
So, you know, if you go back to your original question, so here's the Pope wearing two hats. He's the Roman pontiff and the head of mystery Babylon in his office as the Roman pontiff, right? And then on the other side, he's the Father Patria, the, uh, the father of the church, the steward of Christ on earth, right? And what does it tell us in the Bible? No man can serve two masters. Well, we also shouldn't be worshiping a symbol or a, there shouldn't be anything between you and God, that kind of stuff too. And they well, put yeah. themselves as I am all, you know, you go through me to get to God, that kind of crap. Yes, well, and that was lucrative, very lucrative for them. Yes. So you see, depending upon which hat they were wearing, uh, you were either dealing with a Christian or you were dealing with a pagan. Now, what they've done in very recent times is that the nature of the office of the Roman pontiff has been fully discovered, and they've been forced to suppress it. And in 2011, they bankrupted the Romanus, the Pontifex Romanus, um, the trust that was underlying the Roman pontiff's office, and they they liquidated that. And uh, so, if you ask them, they'll say that the office of Roman pontiff no longer exists. However, what actually happened is that Pope Benedict the Sixteenth split the office. And he kept the Christian ministerial office, as, as you will see if you go back and you look at, at what he actually said, he kept the, the ministerial office of Christ himself, and then he turned to his loyal Jesuits, who are by oath obligated to do whatever he tells them to do, and he gave the office, the responsibilities of the Roman pontificate to Francis. And so here's Francis left with the dissolution and the restructuring of the Roman pontificate while acting as Pope, right? Yep. So the, the, we started out with one Pope wearing two hats and now we've got two popes, each one wearing one hat, one standing for the Christian church and one standing for the pagan Roman uh, Babylon church. Yeah. Well, who's the Christian one? Because Francis still does pagan rituals and child sacrifices. Oh, see, he's being told by his boss to take on those duties. So that's what he's doing. It's, it's, Francis is not acting on his own. He's still taking his orders from Ratzinger. And Ratzinger is uh, behind the scenes doing stuff. So he's, I mean, he's always been there. He just, because he got so much heat, he decided to back out of the public space and let somebody else do it. And they split it up. Yeah, they split the offices and they split the roles. So Francis got landed with, with being the Roman pontiff, in fact, even though that office per se doesn't supposedly exist anymore, but he got stuck with all the devolution from that and you know maintaining that side of the religion, right? 
and uh, Ratzinger went off and and uh, decided to be the the Christian the Christian uh, father that he's supposed to be. It's all crazy.